You're listening to What It's Like with Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and on today's episode, I'm chatting to a Canadian film and artistic director. Living in the town of Vaughan, just outside Toronto, this week's guest grew up surrounded by the hustle and bustle of film sets as he started acting at just 10 years old. Finding catharsis in words, the young creative turned to script writing following a sexual assault he experienced in high school and continued to pursue his newfound passion at the University of York. Penning his first short film, Cold Hands, about the incident, he got a flavour of how impactful his work could be after being invited to speak on sexual violence across numerous stages. Choosing to centre his work around toxic masculinity and male-to-male abuse, his current project and new release, Pressure Play, was his first production out of college and a defining moment in the director's career. Alongside filmmaking, he is also co-founder of the Future of Film Showcase, which screens Canadian short films, and today shares with me what it really takes to make movie magic. Here's what it's like to be Eric Bizzari. Before we get stuck into the episode, I just wanted to say that if there is a drop in sound quality throughout, I'm very sorry, but in respect of social distancing during COVID-19, I've had to record episodes remotely. In this challenging time, we're all trying our best, so I really hope everyone is staying safe and that you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, Of course. I think it would be a really good starting point if we go back a little bit um, and just discuss what it was like for you growing up in Toronto. You know, have you always been super interested in filming um, and film as a genre or is it something that you discovered later on in life? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, it's sort of it's sort of funny because I um, I actually didn't I didn't grow up in Toronto. I grew up in in Vaughan, uh, so that's a um, uh, small city just north of Toronto. Um, but I but growing up in Vaughan was very yeah like it's just it's it was it was strange because I was going to school in Toronto. Like I went to you know, did the first part of my schooling, like elementary school in, in Vaughan, but then I uh, did a high school in Toronto. Um, and so I was always, uh, I was always, and I was always sort of immersed by the arts. Um, I went to an arts high school and then um, an arts uh, elementary school for a bit. And so like that process was, was, was always very, um, I guess was always very eccentric and was uh, very illuminating because I, I was always surrounded by people who created, um, you know, my, my family, I like, I'm not born into a family of creators, but I'm, I'm, you know, my family does, you know, support what I do. And we're always sort of like watching, you know, different movies and everything. And um, I mean, I, I, I guess just growing up with that in school was, was helpful. Um, but I didn't discover film, uh, filmmaking at least until uh, about grade 11. Um, it's weird. It's funny because I was, I, I started acting when I was 10 and I acted, uh, from when I was 10 until I was about 18. Um, so I was on sets as young as that. And, and it was always so, uh, fascinating to me to be, uh, in an environment in which I was creating something that people would then see. Um, I've always been a fan of movies, but I never, I, I, I don't know if I ever imagined I would be making movies, but I always knew that I would be watching them um, and that I would be immersed in them. And then it was only till, uh, until grade 11, like I mentioned previously, where I actually started to um, discover the art of filmmaking itself. And 
uh, you know, learning from my teacher there and my, and uh, the others in my class. And then, you know, moving into uh, York University for uh, film production. So you mentioned that you did, you were in front of the camera first. Um, what was it about, yeah. I guess, film direction or the, the whole process of the production of film rather than being the subject of it that drew you in? I started to sort of discover stories, um, stories pertaining to my own life uh, that I was very interested in telling. And I realized that I wouldn't necessarily like I wasn't as comfortable with giving a story that I was passionate about uh to someone else to make um I really wanted to uh I, w I really wanted to tell my own story and so in uh in high school I did go through something uh quite traumatic um uh, for me at least and and you know after after going going through that I I, I uh turned to writing as uh catharsis and you know writing about what I was sort of like, you know, experiencing and, uh, and, and writing about what, what made me sad, uh, really helped, um, to really helped me to sort of grow, uh, into, I guess, you know, if you want to call me an artist, but, you know, grow into like a creative, I guess. I was more or less involved with making my own work, uh, by giving myself opportunities that I wasn't necessarily getting outside of myself. Um, and don't get me wrong, like there have been so many people that have supported my work and, and, and definitely given me opportunities and I'm proud, I'm very proud of and very uh, grateful to um, have experienced, but I guess what I'm getting at is my step, my, my step into actually creating my own work became more about me sort of reflecting on something that I had, uh, something that I had gone through personally. So I guess then you discovered the power of filmmaking and that that was something that really interested you. And you mentioned there that you then took the next step to go and study it further at York University, I think you said. Um, yeah. What was that experience like? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, learned, I learned a lot more about film than, uh, than I've never known before. And it was sort of great to, you know, go into an environment in which I was uh, consistently surrounded by like-minded people. And like-minded people who wanted to make movies just as badly as I did. And, and who still are. Some of them, you know, some, maybe most of them still are making movies now. Um, and reflecting on that experience is really um, sort of, uh, I, I look on, on that experience very fondly. Um, because within York, I was able to, like, I met the people who I uh, created a film festival with. And um, I eventually ended up uh, telling the story of what happened to me in high school uh, in my, I'm a survivor of uh, sexual assault. And so going through that in high school, I was able to uh, uh, make a film about that experience in my final year of university. And I can attest that I don't think I, I could have made that film had it not been for the support of uh, the people in my program. That's really amazing. And uh, what, what film is that? Is that um, Cold Hands? That's cold end, yeah, yeah. What, what was that like for you, bringing something mm -hmm. that was so deeply personal and you know terrible that you had to go through um, to life in a way where you know you had to relive it? I know as an artist, that's always the thing is that you need to relive your pain, I guess, to create great work. But but you know, just on a human level, how was that for you? And then to have people watch it? Yeah, um, 
I mean, it, it's great. It's quite profound. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it's profound. It's quite profound because whenever you make anything, uh, you know, you're always, it's always a very, um, a very vulnerable experience. And so uh, whenever you make something, you're always, you're always putting yourself out there and you're, you're opening yourself up to any sort of criticisms and opinions and, and whatnot. Yeah. And when I made that film, that was at a time in my life where I, I wouldn't say I didn't know. I, yeah, I guess I didn't know as much as I know now, but my main concern was sort of, um, was using the film as therapy. And so I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really concerned about so much about how others would, uh, would, would see the work, you know, um, my main goal was to be able to both educate and, uh, inspire anybody else who, um, anyone who was able to view it. And so going through that process, I, you know, it started with an application, uh, into the program, uh, and, you know, to go into the first year, uh, and they asked, you know, if you could make any film in your fourth year school, what would that be? And I said that it would be, it would be a film and, you know, that, that depicted, uh, my experience with sexual assault and, um, and then I was accepted into the program. I wrote it as a script in like a short story, uh, in my first year. Um, originally the assignment was to make a, a five minute silent film. And then my professor reads my, uh, reads my script for my five minute silent film. And he's like, I feel like this would be better with dialogue. Like, I think you're doing the story, your story disservice, uh, by doing it without dialogue. And, and so then I, I guess I could, I continued, I continued writing the story and writing and writing it. And then I did it in second year. And, and then my third year, um, I was originally going to make it in my third year. And then I got, not that I got scared. I just like felt in my body that I wasn't ready yet and that it wasn't time to make a film like that. And, and I made, I made another one called The Shallow End, which is based off of another personal experience of mine. And then in fourth year is when I finally, um, I finally made it. So then after you, you release Cold Hands and you, you graduate, what were your next steps? Yeah, I mean, it took, it took, it's funny because it, it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, I had spent so much of my life making this movie and like, you know, like writing it and, and, and developing it. Uh, it took me about six years. Um, it started, you know, it started in my grade 12 writer's craft class where, you know, we had an assignment, um, we had an assignment to write for five minutes straight. Um, and I ended up, I ended up writing this and, and, and never like, we couldn't ever take the pen off paper. And so I wrote for five minutes straight, um, a, a short story. And I wrote about when uh, I was in the courtroom with, uh, the, the man who sexually assaulted me. And so I wrote about that and that's how I sort of turned it into uh, a script. And so from that point, it was like from grade 12 all the way to, you know, fourth year university and then being released after that, it was like about a five, almost six year gap uh, from when I started to when I, when I finished. And after that, that entire time was so long that after Cold Hands was released and it was, you know, out there in the public and we, we got distribution by, by, by Reverie and then we just landed another distributor uh, two weeks ago um, uh, called, uh, by this production company called Four Thieves and they, they're streaming Cold Hands on Hivio right now. It's an Australian uh Australian streaming service you know after all of that was over and 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 that was done I sort of sat and I'm like what do I 
what do I really want to do next? And I didn't know. I had no idea. I was I like this was so much a part of my life that I didn't know what was possible and uh, what 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 was possible for me to do next, basically. And um, but I sort of I I thought about it and I, and and I think something that a lot of creators don't do is they're so and and something I really began to learn and appreciate during the isolation and quarantine uh, is being able to listen to the silence, being able to appreciate the silence, being able to appreciate um you know you your way of thinking and 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 being sort of stagnant and paused um is something to really be appreciated if that makes sense i spent a lot of time doing that and i spent a lot of time doing that after cold hands was over and i realized that i still wanted to make films about um toxic masculinity and and male-to-male abuse um, those, those are two topics that I'm deeply invested in. And so when I looked at another script uh, to write, um, it's funny because this was a script that I also could have made in my fourth year, but I decided to do cold hands. Uh, it's called Pressure Play. And Pressure Play is about this uh, young man who's in high school and he's trying to make it onto his high school basketball team, uh, but he's dealing with an overbearing mother and uh, an abusive coach. And so he's dealing with all of these sort of authoritative figures that are telling him what what to do and what not to do. Um, and until he makes the ultimate decision to uh, uh, for himself, and that's to, to play basketball and to do what he loves. And so that's the next film that I decided to make. And I, and I decided to make films that explore these genres, explore these topics, um, while also staying true to what I enjoy. Uh, you know, I, 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 I tell, I tell a few people this story and I, and I find it kind of, uh, kind of funny where, you know, I had this opportunity at one point to produce this series. Uh, it was like the sci-fi series. And I think that was the first time that I learned that I can't be doing projects that I don't have my entire heart in and that I, that don't fully like resonate with me. Um, and so I was asked to do this project and I read the script and I it really didn't fix well. And then, the, produce, the other producer goes, oh, well, it's fine. You can just show up on set and help us and then we'll give you a credit. And that's when it sort of clicked for me where I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this isn't, I understand. And I understand there's like this whole thing where, you know, you're starting out and you have to get every opportunity possible and you have to explore every single project that comes your way because you never know. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the greatest indicator of how you move forward from something, how you move forward from any sort of project or any endeavor um, it's whether or not you feel like your heart's in it and how do you know if your heart's in it well you read the script or you you read the you read about the opportunity and if you don't get that like at least for me like if I don't get that like sort of feeling in my stomach that like feeling of butterflies or that feeling of excitement um, then that means it's not right for me. I want to come back to Pressure Play in a little while, but first of all, I want to ask you a little bit more about the film festival that you founded. Yeah. Um, so it's called the the Future of Film Showcase. We screen, uh, we're a not-for-profit media arts organization. Uh, we screen short films by Canadian filmmakers age 40 and younger. And uh, that was, uh, looking back on it, that's <clears throat> that was a huge, I guess, thing for us where we founded that when we were, uh, 18 years old. Um, we were in first year university and we sort of looked around and we wondered, you know, we understood, we understood that like this, this wasn't it, you know, film school wasn't the end. It wasn't like, 
you know, we were to leave film school, we get a degree and that's it. We go off and make movies. We really had to create our, our, our own opportunities. We, we understood from the get-go that, you know, creating opportunity for ourselves was the only way, was one of the ways in which we were going to succeed. Um, and so then in our first year, we decided that, you know, like I was, I was sitting in a room with um, the guy that co-founded it with me. His name is Sean Joshi. Um, and so we were sitting in a room watching audition tapes for a short, uh, the first short that he produced. You know, I'm, I asked him, I'm like, you know, why, wh where are we going with this? Like, what, where, where are you planning on, you know, exhibiting this film? And he said, oh, you know, we'll probably just post it on Vimeo or YouTube or something. I'm like, well, why does that have to be, like, why does that have to be the last resort? Why does that have to be like the biggest dream? You know, like, why can't we dream higher? Why can't we have like a premiere for it? And he's like, yeah, well, who's going to come and watch a 15-minute premiere of a 15-minute short film? And I said, well, we can have a bunch of short films play with it. You know what I mean? Like, we can have, like, we can have more than one. And so then we thought about it, and we ended up, because uh, I worked at another movie theater at the time, so we ended up going to, uh, I ended up going to my GM at the movie theater, and I said, hey, how would you feel if, like, I came here and had, like, a two-hour program of shorts and we just played them and he was like yeah go for it and so that's what we ended up doing we ended up going around in this huge in this residence the student residence but also not even the student residence like we what we we just asked our friends over facebook and in our classes and we were like you know knocking the doors like like you know knock 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 it's like hey and they're like hey what's up I'm like do you have a film you want to show like and then um they just they they gave us our their films and we ended up having uh, a three-hour, <laughs> a three-hour program uh, made up of uh, I think about like thirty, yeah, maybe like almost thirty shorts, like twenty-five films. Yeah, and so then we ended up having an audience of like three hundred people who came out for free. Uh, they all bought like you know the the sort of the uh, the agreement was like you know we were gonna have the theater for free, but then you know my GM obviously needed profit, so. Uh, they all bought like concessions, like popcorn and snacks and drinks, and everybody just sat in the theater and they just watched movies. And uh, yeah, and then we called it the Future of Film Showcase. You mentioned already, uh, Pressure Play is your newest project. Um, did you get to yeah. finish filming that before COVID happened and everything? We we actually we filmed Pressure Play about a year a year ago. So we filmed Pressure Play in March 2019. Um, so that was, so that was well before. And then we finished it in, we finally finished it in January, 2020. Um, I did produce a feature film that shot March 1st to the 14th. So like two days before a day or two before all the shutdowns uh, started happening. And how does it work with, with filming? So, you know, when you yeah. take it very back to the basics, like you have the idea and you write a script, um, but then what, you know, because I guess there's a, a ton of stuff that goes into it. There's actors, there's, you know, location scouting, there's makeup, hair, costume, all of that kind of stuff. And you're just one person. Yeah. So how do you take a script and, and make it into this, this film? Like, what is the process behind that? Or if, if, say, if someone has an idea, they've written a script, what do they do with it then? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of things. I mean, the first thing to do is, is really to do some, uh, to do some bookkeeping, to do some sort of organization where you are, um, you know, you're understanding exactly what your story is calling for. 
Um, you, you know what the budget is, you understand how big your cast is and, and, and what you really need to make the story, uh, to make the story as powerful as it can be. And the way in which, so, you know, to take pressure play, for example, um, or even, uh, sorry, even to scale back, I mean, granted it was made in school and, you know, we were using all student crews, but take Cold Hands, for example, where Cold Hands is a very, you know, you take a concept that has, I think we had about like three locations, three or four locations. Um, we had a bit of an ensemble cast, uh, but it was a very like small contained story. Uh, there wasn't a lot of background actors. And so, you know, when you take a story like that, and they, I think our budget was about like $5,000, um, you know, and you make a micro short like that and you're wondering, okay, how can I get this done um, in a relatively good amount of time with a small size crew and you analyze that from the start and you slowly start to realize, okay, I'm, I, I'm not necessarily going to need as large of a camera crew. And that's, and that's something that you talk to your cinematographer about, uh, you know, you ask your production designer, you know, how long, how long, how big do you think your art crew needs to be? And they'll say, you know, they'll, they might say five people that they need, or they might say one person. Um, but a lot of it is you sort of finding your department heads, understanding, okay, you know, I, the first person I, I generally lock after I, you know, finish a script and I, you know, working with a writer is I'll lock the cinematographer because the cinematographer is going to be the one, uh, in my experience, the cinematographer has been uh, more or less involved from the get-go um, because they're the ones that are essentially building your visual, your visual story. And so, you know, I'll lock, I'll lock a cinematographer I'll bring, and then I'll bring on a producer and I'll say, you know, here is our visual landscape. This is what we're sort of, this is the scope of the project. Um, and then we'll start talking budget. And then as soon as we talk budget, we'll understand how much money we have to, in some cases, hire people, um, how much room we have to, like how many days we can afford to really shoot the thing. And, and then we'll, we'll work from there. Do you have to self-fund everything that you do or is there somewhere you can go to where they help you out or do you have investors or how, how do you, mm -hmm. how do you work that into it? Yeah. I mean, I think I, one of the best pieces of advice that I got, um, you know, before even making pressure play, because I wasn't sure myself. And when we were, when we were making it in school, when we were making cold hands um, and we were making, I was making that in school, I very much had to self-fund that. Um, but it, it sort of works differently in school where, you know, people like your key, your, the, the, the people in key positions on your film uh, will generally also be in a class for that stream. So my cinematographer was in the cinematography class, editor in the editing and so on. Right. And so some of the, like those people will like share the cost of the movie. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they, they will help put in uh, a certain amount uh, and then, but then when you get out of school and you start making films, um, you know, you start making films outside of that sort of like that safety net, that's when it sort of gets tricky. Um, and that's when you sort of have to look at it and you go, okay, you know, in my position, there weren't any grants available for me to apply. And the reason being is because I, you know, this was my first production outside of school. Yeah. Um, and again, everything I'm saying is directly towards my experience. Uh, you know, this was a, a little bit over a year ago. I, I think I think it's changed now. Um, but at the time, there wasn't a grant available for me, and so my only option uh, was to try to crowdfund, which I which I I, I did a little bit. 
Um, and then there, you know, there were some people who were gracious enough to give us some money to make the project and, and that certainly helped us. Um, and then the other, the other thing was I had to, I, so I had to self-fund it. Um, and I had to, you know, I had to get dip into my savings and I had to, and I had to, you know, put it through for the project. And that was a huge chunk, like putting out, I think it was, yeah, like what did I say, 11 or $12,000 was, was huge. Yeah. Um, that was something I've never done before. It was my largest, I guess, investment. And I, you know, the whole thing was very nerve wracking, but when I look at it and I really owe my cinematographer, Julian Lomega a lot because he taught me, he's like, look, you're spending this money now and you're spending it here on this movie, but what else would you want to be spending it towards? You know, what would you want to do differently? If you still had that 12,000 now, no film, what would you be spending that on? Um, and he's like, you know, if, if I had to make a bet, I would say it's probably on your career. And that's, he was absolutely right. And that was also a conversation I had, you know, with myself where it was like, if I'm, if I really want to make it and, and I have to, I have to invest in my own projects, I have to invest in myself. And I think the, the biggest lesson learned here is that, you know, without risk, there is no reward. Um, and with that risk may, may, may come a smaller reward than you were expecting. And that, that's, you know, that's the risky business of filmmaking. And, you know, I spoke to another director, her, you know, she, um, her name is Joy Webster. And she talked to me about making her first short outside of school and having to also put in like about $10,000. And she said, that is the reality when you don't have a large enough body of work behind you. Um, you know, you, when you don't have a large body of work behind you and you're looking to other people and asking them to help fund your movie, how are they going to trust you if they don't see anything you've, you've made, right? Or like, how are they going to, like, how are people going to trust you with their money if they don't, if they are not 150% confident that what you can do with their money is exemplary? Going back to you as, as an individual, yeah. Do you have an ultimate end goal or an ultimate dream that you feel like you'll be working towards for a long time to reach? Yeah. Um, well, the end goal is always the end goal has always been has always been directing for me. Um, you know, I, I love being able to bring a team together and share a story that I'm that I'm deeply uh, deeply passionate about. And in doing that, I think uh, the best way the best way to achieve that goal is to keep creating. Um, to not to never stop, and so I'm consistently working towards my goal of you know directing my first feature, which would be a feature based off of uh, based off of uh, Cold Hands, the short film, um, and so working towards that and, and getting that out there, and then um, you know hopefully getting some sort of representation, and I, I guess being being able to really make a living. <laughs> I yeah. mean, isn't that every, every, everybody's dream? Um, but being able to continue doing what I love, which is making movies, uh, however, however way that means. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say, you know, it's always been about the money for me because it, it hasn't. Um, but I definitely do, you know, want to make a living doing this. But at the same time, it's like, if at the end of the day, or, you know, my friend put it really, um, a friend of mine put it really, really fondly for me where, or really um, fondly is not the right word. Like she, 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 she gave it to me straight. She's like, at the end of the day, you know, and this goes for you if you're anyone, it's like, at the end of the day, do you want to come home and see, you know, you come home, you see a check on the table, uh, you know, it's a sizable check and whatnot, and that's fine. But then when you cash that check, do you feel like you've achieved something? 
Like, do you feel happy that you got a check for doing that? Like, you know, at the end of the day, like you can come home and you can see a check on the table and they could be a really great sizable amount. But was that experience for you worth it? Was that experience for you building off of a career that you want to have? Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people get wrapped up about money in this business and, you know, how to make it and how much they're making and they forget about, you know, is what they're making actually relevant? Is what they're making um, important to them? And I guess my end goal would be, you know, to make a career out of this by making films that I want to make, um, you know, making films about issues that I'm very passionate about. And, you know, of course I'm meeting my words because everybody has their bad days and, and whatever, but, um, but I think the way to do that is to invest in yourself and whether that's by means of personal savings or, you know, now looking for grants and all that, like find a way to continuously evolve. Um, and as a director, that's what I'm, uh, you know, that's what I'm leaning towards. And that's what I hope to really achieve. My last question for you before I let you get on with your Saturday afternoon. Um, if <laughs> I put your 10 year old self in front of you today, having been through all of the stuff you've been through, both in your career um, and in your life in general, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give that 10 year old self moving forward in life? That's a great question. That's a really great question. Um, I think it would be to, to trust, trust yourself before you trust others. Trust yourself first. Um, I think that's most important because a lot of what we do when we're younger, I feel, is influenced by those around us. You know, uh, listen to this music because this is what, I, this, is what this person likes. Or, or, and, you know, that person's doing the same thing with something else. Um, everybody's sort of, you know, building off of one another, which is great. But I think what I would say to do is, and from what I've learned, is trust your gut first. Trust your instincts. Trust yourself. You know, if something doesn't feel right, don't do it because somebody else is doing it. Really stick up. Really stick up for yourself and really say, hey, you know what? I don't want to attend this party or because I don't, I don't feel comfortable with the person hosting, you know, I, I don't, and, that, and that's a very, you know, I, I, maybe that's like a very weak example, but I guess trusting yourself first, because ultimately you're, you're going to have to be the one to sit with yourself at the end of the day. Nobody else is. I, I sort of hear other people answer these questions and they say, oh, you know, I would tell my younger self to have more confidence. I would tell my younger self to, 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 to not, not, you know, make that, that 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 one mistake that I did and and you know or whatever but realistically it's like you have to think you know if we're thinking in a very fantasy like way where we were able to travel back in time and we were able to go to our younger self is your younger self really going to understand what it means to be more confident you know are they really are they really going to understand to 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 you know be less scared um I, I don't think so I think it's more useful to tell someone to trust in themselves because by trusting you yourself you will understand what it means to be confident in a situation or scared you will understand you know because that fear will move you and that confidence will propel you you know um so i think trusting in yourself is what i would is what i would say 
with that, I just want to say thank you so, so much again for coming on and sharing your incredible story. It's been so inspiring to listen to your journey so far. Um, and thank I you. can only imagine great things happening for you in the future. And I'm very excited to watch your film. So, um, yeah, oh, thank, thank you thank so you. much again. Of course. No worries. Thank you for, for having me on. And thank you. Thank you for doing this for sure. Thank you so much for listening and as always, please rate, share and leave a comment if you like what you hear. And don't forget to follow at What It's Like Pod on Instagram and Facebook. To find out more about Eric's work and to watch his films, visit the links provided in the show notes. I'll be back next week with more inspiring stories, but for now, this has been What It's Like with Luce.